Hi listeners, Jenna here, and I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting the podcast and listening to all of my great interviews that I've done so far. I hope to continue bringing you more amazing interviews with people that are right here in our community of Grand Prairie. But to do that, I need your help. If you love what I'm doing and want to see me do more, I want to offer you a chance to support the podcast financially by making a donation to our PayPal account, which is at the Faces of Grand Prairie. It goes to help me with editing software, recording platforms and equipment, and my time so that I can keep bringing you quality interviews with people from around our city. No donation is too small, and all are very much appreciated. Again, that's our PayPal account, which is at Faces of Grand Prairie. Thank you so much in advance, and on to the interview. Hello, this is Jenna Pecor, host of the Faces of Grand Prairie, Grand Prairie podcast. Can't even talk today. It's one o'clock in the afternoon. I've had enough coffee. <laughs> but anyway, I'm here today with Tiffany Ross. She is a friend of mine. Hi, Tiffany. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having me today. Yes. Thanks for being on. So, Tiffany, tell everybody what you guys do for your business. So, my husband and I own Site Garden Inspection Services. We are a residential and commercial inspection firm. So what that is and kind of what that does, if people who aren't familiar with the real estate industry, what that is, is we come in when you've worked with somebody like Jenna, a realtor, and you are in your option period. We come in to ensure that the home is uh, kind of not really insured, but we go in to check how the overall home is performing. So we look at everything on the house from the roof to the foundation and everything in between. So we make sure that the roof is in good condition. We look at your HVAC system and your water heater and the panel box. We check all your plumbing and electrical. And then we check all the code and safety items and we document those for you in a really pretty paper um, presentation. And we give that to you while you're there and let you know um, kind of how the home is, what condition it's in, how it's performing. And then they wind up working with their realtor like you and they decide if they want to move forward with the home and if they do what kind of repairs they want the sellers to do and so that's kind of what we do in a nutshell yeah okay tiffany hold on i'm gonna go turn my dryer off because i just realized it was on and it's about to make this noise hold on, hold on. <laughs> okay I'll cut that part out, but I know what's going to happen is it's going to start going meh, meh, and it's going to be very annoying. Um, okay. Um, so yeah, so the inspection is, and a lot of people get kind of confused about like, what is the inspection and what is it for and who is it for? Yes. And so the inspection is for the person purchasing the home. It is not done right. for the bank. It's not done for the seller. 
it's done for the purchaser to make sure that they know the condition of the home. That's right. A lot yeah. of times we'll get confused with appraisal also. Yes. We have to let people know that we're not here to provide you with a, a value of your home. We're here to assess the condition of it and let them know that we're here to work for them. So we work for the client or the purchaser, the buyer, however you, whatever title you want to give them. That's who we're here for. And that's who we are here to represent and take care of and make sure they have a firm understanding that the dream home that you found them truly is that. Right. And you're, you're, they're also not handymen. No. So no. they can't, you, you know, it's like Nathan is, is your husband. He's the one that does the inspections. And it's not like he can go, okay, well, this is what's wrong. This is how much it costs to fix it. This is how, you know, this is how long it will take. Like, and so I, he does have an understanding somewhat of things, but um, it's, it's not to get the idea of how much it's going to cost to right. repair. It's just to get the condition of the home. Right. So an inspector isn't there to repair or replace any items. He's there to, to inform of the condition of it and how it's currently performing. And then as an inspector or, or as a realtor, you can then provide some a resource or a reference for someone to come in and actually further evaluate. So when we're working with a new buyer or client, someone who's never purchased a home before, I like to kind of explain it to them this way. An inspector is a general practitioner. So he's like your family doctor. You're gonna come, you're gonna meet him. He's gonna tell you all the things that are going on. He gives the home basically a physical. And then after that physical is done, you work together to find somebody who is a specialist. And then you go to that specialist to have that issue further evaluated and corrective it and corrected if needed. I love that analogy. That is such a great analogy. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's like it, it, you're just he comes in, he does the tests on all the major areas of the home. He yep. tests to make sure that the air conditioner is blowing at the temperature it's supposed to be blowing, that the toilets are flushing, the you know, everything's coming on, the electrical panel is functioning properly. And then so if there is a problem that we know how to move forward. And None of that goes to the bank. Nope. None of the report goes to the bank. Um, the report doesn't even have to go to the seller if the buyer doesn't want for the report to go to the seller. Correct. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's purely for the advantage of the home buyer that is buying that home to ensure that they understand the condition the home is in. Um, so a question that I always am curious about, because, and I do talk to Nathan about this when, when I see him, um, there's a lot of parts of the house. Yes. <laughs> and there's a lot of codes that are constantly changing on yeah. the various parts of the house. So how much education does he have to do every year to keep up with all that? So he has, just like realtors, he has continuing education that he has to take every year. Um, he has to take standards of practice and labels and ethics, just like you guys do. And then he has, um, he can then do optional um, courses to kind of just further his education and I believe it's 32 hours of continuing education every two years mm -hmm. and so he um, has courses that he takes he has additional certifications outside of just being a standard home inspector uh, home inspector 
So he has a certified applicator's license for um, to perform the wood destroying insect inspection. So outside of us owning site guard inspection services, we also own our own termite and pest company called Insect Detect. And we hold the license for any inspector who works with us so that they can perform the inspections. Um, he has a certification to um, perform septic system inspections. Not a lot of inspectors do that. And so he's actually certified to not only inspect them, but also to repair or install them. He doesn't want to do that, but he just wants to do the inspection portion, but he does have that certification. And then he has certifications to provide pool and spa inspections. Not a lot of inspectors do, and you don't have to have the certification um, hmm. to inspect it, but it's always good to just double check. Um, and a list of all the and he's got a couple others, but all of that's listed on our website if you go to the meet the team section on our website and you can see his credentials as to how long he has been doing this and what kind of construction background he has and things like that. So it takes a lot of education and um, the primary education takes about a year because you have a lot of classwork that you have to do and then you have to do some um, in-classroom stuff and kind of see how things go and then for us when we bring on an inspector we have a 90-day training period um, to ensure that they are true site guard material and that they're performing at the level that we think um, meets what our clients and realtors expect. Do you guys have to do, do you have to do um, any type of uh, apprenticeship whenever you become an inspector? So you can do an apprenticeship when you become an inspector, but in order to be, um, in order to have apprentices under you, you have to have qualified with TREC in order to do that. And so that's um, an additional qualification that you have to have. It's not something that's necessarily difficult to get. It's just a little time consuming, um, but you can be an apprentice and go through that route. Um, you still have to pass the state tests, national tests, and so on. Um, but you can do that as well. And you can find out if you're wanting to become an apprentice inspector, you can actually go to the TREC website and see who are the qualified people to provide that apprenticeship for you. Wow. I always learn new things whenever, because the way that it works, and I just want to, I kind of want to talk for a minute just to the general public about some things to look for when you are hiring an inspector. And you can you can get an inspection on your house without even being under contract. Like if you just really yeah. are about to put your house on the market, getting a house inspected beforehand, especially if you have an, in your mind, if you think that there's tons of stuff you need to do before mm -hmm. you spend money on doing any of those things, hire an inspection service to come by. It, it's, it's, it's very minimal cost. Um, depending, it, and it goes by the square footage, but you know, it's, what for a few hundred dollars really um, yeah and and we offer as a company we actually offer different types of pre-listing inspections and a lot of our competitors do the same thing so we can come in and do a full inspection just like we would if they were purchasing a home and um, or we can do a six-point inspection and that's going to cover your major systems plus your kitchen appliances and a lot of our, um, a lot of competitors, our competitors or fellow inspectors, whatever, however you want to refer to them, we do the same thing. And so it gives you just an idea of what needs to be prepared or what needs to be repaired or potentially replaced. And then that way, when they do work with you, you have the ability to now list it at the highest price possible for them. 
Yes, and you also know what it's going to take to get certain things fixed or if it's even necessary. And, yeah. I will, you know, with everybody spending so much time in their houses right now, I'm sure you're sitting in the middle of your home going, well, that leak's been going on for the last 10 years. We've just tolerated it. You know, maybe right. it's time to get that fixed. Or, you know, you're kind of looking around and you think, oh, my house is so run down or it's got all these problems because you've lived there and you live with its quirks and it's, it's different things. But yeah. you might be really surprised. And I, I, he has, you know, Nathan has done a few of those free listing inspections. Mm -hmm. And the sellers were always surprised at how little stuff actually needed to be addressed that they assumed was supposed to be addressed and they would have spent thousands of dollars getting that right without it being necessary. Yeah. I think a lot of times, um, the things that we would think we need to repair or we need to update aren't always the things that get you the best value. And then sometimes we're often surprised, you know, when you live in your house, like he's like, you see it every day. Mm -hmm. Um, you kind of become, um, nose blind to certain things or just you don't realize that you know oh maybe the faucet drips but you don't hear it anymore because it's been doing that for a long time and so um it, when the inspector comes in and finds those things and identifies those things sometimes you're like oh yeah no that's something that's really easy but if you maintenance your home properly like you're supposed to you know change your air conditioning filters and clean out your gutters and just do the things that we all know that we're supposed to do then you don't have to worry about a lot of that stuff. Right. You do become acclimated over the years. Yes. You become acclimated to your home's little quirks and, and its different unique personality. Uh, but there's a lot of things that you can do in your house that literally cost you no money. That mm -hmm. just requires a little bit of elbow grease. You just mentioned the gutters. That's one of them. I actually went and showed a house not too long ago where the gutters were so full, there was a tree growing out of the gutter that's how that's how long it had been like that and i'm like all it would have taken is just a, a leaf blower or a hose yeah. or something just to rinse it out every once in a while and so there's a lot of things we could be doing but one thing that that nathan and and uh, i think nathan does it more than you do because he's out in the field but he'll post on y'all's facebook page some of the really really odd stuff that he comes across yeah, yeah. you know it's <laughs> some of them you, um, we have a phrase that we like to use here in the office and just in general, it's like guard and it's what the DIY were you thinking? <laughs> and <laughs> because you would be, I mean, some of the stuff he comes home with and shows me, I'm just like, Oh, good Lord. Like, Oh, this is why we hire professionals because, <laughs> you know, I, um, to quote, uh, a photographer friend of mine that I know, I can cut my own hair, but I probably shouldn't. <laughs> I should leave that to a professional. And so it's kind of the same thing, you know, I mean, there's, there's always little DIY projects that sellers or buyers can do. Um, but if you're going to do a major remodel and you're not well-versed in how to install tile or, you know, frame a wall, call somebody. Do you're, electrical work? Yes. You're going to save yourself so much money by calling the professional and having them do it than having to have them come in later and redo or undo what you've done. Yes. And you know, it's just, it's kind of amazing to me because there's so many things that we can learn how to do online. Yes. But it doesn't mean we need to do them. 
<laughs> so I actually went to a house not too long ago and this wasn't even one of the worst ones I've seen, but instead of hiring an electrician to come in and splice the wires and install outlets where they should be installed and, um, they just started adding extension cords everywhere. So they would cut a hole in the wall and they put an extension cord over here. And what that does is I know that you could do, you could get away with that for maybe one or two light fixtures. But when you start doing that with tons of them, you, what you don't realize is you're overloading the system. And now you're, you're making so many things a fire hazard because you have wires strewn everywhere that they shouldn't be. Right. And um, it's so interesting to me that people would rather do that than just hire an electrician to do it the right way but that's the kind of thing we see but but to put things in perspective there's a lot of do-it-yourself projects that are fine and and what, what I think that when you're an inspector when you're a real estate agent when you're an appraiser and you see things all the time you know the bad the really really bad from right. the not so bad. Right. So when people look and think, oh, my house is so terrible, I'm like, no, you don't know what terrible looks like. No. <laughs> no. If, if you want to know, go to SG Inspection Services and on Facebook and you can find us, SG Inspections, and you can see some of the crazy stuff or you can go to our website and you can go to our gallery and you can see some of the crazy things that, um, we see. I mean, Nathan posts stuff all the time and, and it doesn't just happen in existing homes. You know, we caution, um, purchasers or buyers when you're building a home, you need to work with an inspector and there are multiple phases of the, of the build. And so there's multiple phases of the inspection that needs to be done. And this is the best way to make sure that the home is performing as best as it can be from day one. And you'd be amazed at some of the things that we find. We um, performed thermal imaging on a home about a couple of months ago, probably two or three months ago now. And one whole wall in a new construction home did not have any insulation. A whole wall. There is no insulation at all. So and so, thermal, before you go, what is thermal imaging? So thermal imaging, it's also called thermography. So what that is, is how I kind of explain it is you've seen a sonogram and you mm -hmm. see that it's in black and gray. So thermal imaging detects heat signatures or the lack thereof. So instead of seeing grays and whites and blacks, you're going to see colors. And so you're going to see reds and oranges and greens and blues and violets. And what that does is it tells the inspector when he's looking at it, if there is heat coming in. So let's say you have heat coming in through a window because it's not sealed properly. He's going to see those reds and oranges and yellows. Whereas if there's maybe some moisture coming in somewhere, he's going to see some blues and violets. And so it really just kind of tells him, it helps them see into the walls kind of so that they can see what's going on. If there's moisture, if there's heat or lack thereof, they can kind of see what's going on. So it really provides kind of a heat signature almost. And so it was hot. So it just looked like a big red and orange wall because there was no insulation in there. So it, the home wouldn't have been properly cooling. They wouldn't have been able to figure out why. And it's little things like that. Whereas if they had had a phase two inspection, then we could have seen what was going on before all of that happened. So. Oh dear. That's Always scary. call your inspector. <laughs> 
And and to be clear, like you, that is not a, that is not a normal inspection. Like I would totally suggest that for a new build because that's something that they can fix and they should fix. Clearly, you're paying for a house to be built. That's something that needs to go on the walls. You're not going to go do that for every new owned home, and, and you know, and and the the thing is, is that, and we could get on all on a whole tangent about this, but the way that inspectors look at a house is they look at it with today's codes, but with the perspective that it was built in a different decade with different codes. Right. So it's like, okay, this is out of code. It's deficient because it's right. not within code, but this was also built in 1982. They didn't have codes like that back then. Right. So, and so that's, that's always um, kind of tricky for, for people that are buying a house. And that's why it's really important to have an inspector that is very good at explaining what an inspection report looks like, which right. Nathan is amazing at doing, which is why I use him for all my inspections. Because especially when you're a new home buyer and you've never owned a home before, yeah. those inspection reports can be pretty daunting. Yeah. And you know, I mean, Nathan is known for being really thorough. And so when you look at our website and you review our sample reports and you see that they're 30, 40, 50, 60 pages, you start to go a little cross-eyed and um, you know, this is not inspections in real estate was, is not my, um, this has not been my, my career in my life. This is something that when we decided to do this, I made the change into this. So I've learned over the years, some of the things. And so when we decided to open this business, I really had to start digging deep and diving into some of the reports. And it was just like, I don't know how you explain some of this to people right. with, and have them understand because there's a lot of technical jargon that goes into it. A lot of industry speak. And like you said, there's codes that are mentioned and thing like that, things like that. And you know, code changes every three years. So they're having to constantly learn what the new code is and what it was and just let people know that, yes, you know, legally I have to mark it as this, but this is something that it's just an as built condition. Don't have to stress about it. And so again, that's where having a really educated realtor and a, an educated inspector who can explain what they found really comes in handy. Yeah, and any good inspector, um, and, and they cannot make determinations. There's only certain determinations they can make from the workability and the, the functionality of a system. But they are also not technicians in any of those. Well, they could be if they had that certification, but most inspectors are not HVAC technicians, nor yeah. are they electricians or plumbers. Like but they have the knowledge to be able to know that something is not working correctly or this is not going, but, but they don't know exactly what that might mean. So a lot of times on an inspection report, you'll see further, you know, it's recommended that you speak to this technician further to further evaluate the problem, right. or there might be foundation problems. You need to talk to a certified foundation specialist. And um, that can be a little bit overwhelming too, but all you want to see is, well, we talked to a foundation specialist. They said it's fine. Moving on. You know, it's like, or do we need to have foundation work done? And um, sometimes people get really excited to kind of move on to the next thing. Right. And it can be easy to kind of overlook some of the things that you might want to pay attention to. And especially when it comes to flips, which we see a lot of, mm -hmm. you know, it could be very appealing to see all the beauty that they've put into this house, but then not having done anything underneath. And so having an inspection is just so very important. It's just, yeah. 
incredibly important. There's there's a lot of ways to hide to hide things, and if mm-hmm. um you know you with paint, with tile, with wallpaper, there's all kinds of ways. But um, an inspector is is trained and has been certified to come in and to see past all of that. It's not about the cosmetics, it's about the condition. And so they come in as an unbiased third party and that's why you hire them because they're not emotionally attached to the property. They want to educate you as best as they possibly can so that you know either what you're walking into or what to walk away from. And you know, it's never, we never provide an opinion as to whether or not this is a home they should or a purchase they should move forward with. That's a determination the buyer has to make. And that's a discussion that has to take place between realtor and buyer so that they can determine, you know, is this right for them? Absolutely. Just educate them. So talking, you know, with us being kind of in the midst of this, COVID stuff. And I think a lot of people are kind of pivoting a little bit about maybe thinking about starting their own business or maybe starting to do that. I kind of want to talk a little bit about, because Nathan had worked for a company prior before you guys started your own company. And to the point that he was so requested by everyone all the time, he was like, maybe I should just start my own. I know that I did. I was like, is Nathan available? When is the next time that he's available? (laughs) So you guys, how how long have y'all owned SiteGuard now? So this is our third calendar year of business. Mm -hmm. But he was an inspector several years before that. Yeah, Yeah, so he's been in the industry as an inspector for almost 10 years, and he's been in around the real estate industry almost his entire life. His mom has been a realtor for um, over almost 40 years now. And so he's grown up around that. Um, He's had, you know, he had friends whose parents were in real estate. And so he has learned kind of firsthand um, by watching them how to kind of make the situation a little easier and things like that. But yeah, before we decided to open our doors, it, uh, he was with another company. They were a great company. They treated him well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was time for us to do our own thing. And that was always the plan and the goal to, to do that. So, so hit the ground what, like, how did y'all go about, how long did it take y'all to make that decision and then kind of pull the trigger that it was time for you to do? So it was probably, you know, it was probably like 30 days or so. We really kind of put pen to paper as, um, working with family or as a married couple, it can be challenging. And so we really had to sit down and evaluate um, our relationship and our skill set. Because the last thing we wanted to do was get into this and it make things harder on us. Yeah. That's not to say that some days aren't hard working as a married couple, but um, we were friends before we ever became you know, boyfriend and girlfriend and fiance and husband and wife. And so we, um, we know how to communicate with each other. We really sat down and put pen to paper and said, okay, what is his strengths? What is his drive for this business? What are my strengths and drive and what can I bring to the business? And from there it was like, okay, we can do this. And we started putting steps together and, you know, it takes time because you have to file for your LLC, you have to get, you know, your tax ID number, you 
want to build a website, you want to have email addresses and business cards and t-shirts and marketing and, 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 yeah. and so it, you know, um, it takes a couple of months to put things together and to really make it, um, ready so that that first time you step out there and say, Hey, we're a business, you are prepared and you're ready. And so we took a couple of months. Um, well, I took a couple of months and, um, built our website and just worked all the back end stuff. Um, while I was teaching preschool and kind of just created things on the back end. And then it was time. We kind of set a deadline for ourselves when we sat down and we said, okay, this is when we want to be ready. And we didn't allow ourselves to waver from that. And you just have to, one thing I've learned when you own your own business is you really have to be focused and you really have to have your to-do list and even if you work from home, I'm sure you know this as well as anybody, when you work from home, you can't allow um, the distractions of what's going on with kiddos and family to uh, pull you away too much. Yes, the luxury of working from home and owning your own business is you can kind of create your own schedule and time, but when it's time to work, it's time to work and you do what you have to do so that you can go do what you want to do and go have fun. Yeah, that's so very true. And I will, what I will say also um, about you guys is y'all are always very good about, okay, now it's time for us to just go have a date night or now it's time for us to go on a motorcycle ride or now it's time for us just to go be ourselves, be married and just not worry about all the other stuff and, and have fun with friends. And, and that's, in my opinion, I think that's one of the hardest parts of when you're a married couple that's working from home, especially if you're working on the same business. Yes. have that end point and go, okay, yeah. we're done as working partners. Now let's be married partners. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, for their first year, it was definitely an adjustment because, um, I went from working 50, 60 hours in a corporate career, um, to stepping back and staying at home and then teaching preschool part-time to 90 to nothing running and uh, running our own business. And there was a lot for me to learn because I didn't know this industry. And so it was a lot of um, when Nathan got home, us practicing, making sure that I knew what I could say, knew what I couldn't say, because, um, you know, there's a lot of um, legal and legalities that go along with our business. You know, I mean, you know, as well as I do as a realtor, you're only legally allowed to say so much. And as an inspector, so is Nathan. Um, seeing as how I don't hold a license as a realtor or an inspector, I can provide some general information, but I have to be real cautious to make sure that I'm not speaking out of turn and doing anything. And so it took, um, a lot of late nights. He would come home from inspections, you know, and we're working until eight or nine o'clock for that first year, trying to make sure that we're on the same page, that we know what's going on. What are we doing? Um, how, what's working? What's not working? How do we change it? How do we adjust it? And, um, it was tiring and we learned that sometimes you have to plan to be spontaneous <laughs> and that sounds really silly, but it's true. And so, like you said, sometimes we just have to say, okay, that's enough. We're going to get on the motorcycle and we're going to go ride for an hour. And when we stop, we'll check emails and we'll answer phone calls and we'll check back in. and then we're going to have 
a meal and we're just not going to answer the phone. And then we're going to get back on the bike and ride for another hour and we'll take care of business when it's done. Um, but it's hard because you want to find that happy balance. Um, but sometimes we get home and it's eight or nine o'clock and we're like, okay, all we've talked about is work. It's, <laughs> it's time to stop. Let's put on some Netflix and let's just relax. Yeah. And y'all are kind of, it's, it's interesting. The industry that y'all are in is yes. You, what y'all do is you provide inspection services, <clears throat> but a lot of times your customers aren't just the people you're doing inspections for. It's also the real estate agents that you work with. And so there's always that fine line of, we want to make sure that we're giving everybody the best customer service as possible without everybody completely dictating our entire life all right. the time. And that's, that's, I think when you're in a service-based industry, that's the hard part is, and realtors feel like that too. It's like there, there have been times that I have texted you and it's been nine o'clock cause we had an offer accepted and right. I'll say, Tiffany, do not respond to this. I know that it's late. I'm just texting before I forget. And then you'll text me back and I'm like, don't text me. I just need to not text you. <laughs> yeah, I have gotten those text messages. And, you know, um, it's real hard for me because, like I said, I, um, I want to make sure that our clients are taken care of. And, and our clients are not just the home buyers. There are realtors, too. And so it's real hard for me. Um, I try to kind of, I think of all our realtors and clients as part of our SGIS family. I mean, they're just an extension of who we are and the best customer service that I can provide them is to treat them like I would a family member. And if they reach out, I want them to know that we're sharing in this excitement with them. We're so happy that they executed their contract. We're so happy they're buying their first house. We also know it's super stressful and I want to make sure that I'm that calm, happy voice on the other end of the phone for them or the other end of that text message. And so, yes, I do answer <laughs> text messages late at night and I do respond, but it's because I want you guys to know that you are important to us and that we see you and we just um, want to make sure that you know that and that we're, that you're just taking care of. It doesn't hurt that we're all kind of friends. And so it's like, the, and I say that because we are friends. We're not kind of friends. We are friends, but we're also colleagues that work together. So it's like, sometimes there's that, oh, it's Jenna or, oh, it's Tiffany or, oh, it's Melissa or, oh, they're texting me and I, oh, I want to talk to them because I just like them. And then it's also the, but this is also their personal time. You know, right. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's so interesting in this industry, how we all kind of commingle with each other. And then, um, it can be really easy to kind of let that personal and slash colleague line kind of blur, you know, yeah. and, and kind of go, do I really need to talk to her at 1030 at night? No, probably not, you know, but <laughs> Yeah. And I, it's hard. Like you said, it's, it's a, it's so hard. It's a balancing, it's a balancing act. You know, I mean, um, I love chatting with you and talking with you. So when you call, I'm like, Oh, it's a Jenna. And I get excited and I'm like, Oh, my friend. Yay. And then I'm like, Oh, that's the work phone. Yeah. Because okay, it's Jenna. I'm like, I miss her. I want to talk to her. And so it's hard because you build those relationships, you know, business is about that. Yes. We, um, work in the same industry and we're colleagues and, and, and 
we have to find that dividing line. Mm-hmm. But if there's not a friendship and a mutual respect, there, right. it's hard. And so, yeah, I, when you call at nine o'clock, even when you say, don't answer me, it's hard because I'm like, oh, it's my friend. Like, I just want to make sure you're taken care of. Well, and it's, it's so funny because as realtors, like, and I just, like, I went through, you kind of go through these cycles where it's like, okay, I can have all listings or I can have all buyers or I can have a little bit of a combination, but, but I've gone through this cycle lately where there's been almost all listings and I haven't had any new buyers. Well, what happens is, is I don't get to talk to you guys as much as opposed to what there's, there's periods where like last year I had all buyers and it was like almost every week, at least twice. I'd be like, got another inspection, got another inspection. And I get to talk to y'all all the time, but then other times it's like, it's not like that. And so um, I just had a, a, a contract executed yesterday. I was like, Tiffany, we're gonna be <laughs> I was so excited because I got to talk to you because it was. Just, I know it was awesome. It's crazy, but like, um, I am curious um, because you have always. I mean, it's like when you hit the ground running, you just knew how to. Because there's a lot that goes into um, the software part of what y'all do. Like, for example, you have to be able to have the reports come out in a certain way. You have to be able to send them quickly. So there has to be a software system that creates that you, that creates those reports. You also have a really, really good system of reminders, email reminders and text message reminders. You're very good about, like, thank you notes. And just the, the nuts and bolts of actually following up and staying in contact with clients, with reminders. So there's a lot of, I'm sure, technology that you had to learn to be able yeah. to do this. Yeah. Um, did you find that to be daunting? Did you enjoy it? <laughs> so I'm kind of, uh, what a lot of people probably wouldn't guess about me is I'm I'm pretty nerdy when it comes to computer stuff and, and learning new systems. So in my previous career life, I was, um, I worked in corporate world. And so I was a buyer um, for Zales and then I became a planner for Zales. And so in doing that, I had to learn a lot of reporting systems and um, Excel functions and how to kind of um, quickly navigate through things. And so it was really interesting um, to get to start learning this, the new software that we have to use for the business. And um, I told Nathan, just let me get my hands on it and try to break it. And I know um, the system that we use is great. It, you know, once I got it all set up and really understood it, then it, it was super easy to make sure our clients knew what we wanted. We, um, we talk to our realtors all the time and do surveys and just kind of ask them, is this too much? Um, is this not enough? We always want to make sure we're communicating and that everybody knows what's going on so that we don't show up somewhere and someone's caught off guard. And so once I learned it, it was now it's easy and I can navigate through it. Um, Nathan was instrumental in me learning how to do that because he really had to sit down with me and teach me some things and walk me through it. And now, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I'm better at the system than he is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely new software that I had to learn. I never built a website before. And so I, I built our website and it was, um, a lot of, there were a lot of expletives sometimes and <laughs> a lot of frustration because I didn't always know what to do. And there's a lot of, 
um, again, there's a lot of industry lingo that I didn't know that I had to learn. And it was like going back to school. And so some of it was fun. And then some of it, I was just like, (laughs) I don't want to have to do this again, but no, it's great. There's one, um, there is one software system that I don't utilize at all that only Nathan utilizes. Um, and it's just, it's a live software. It's how he builds his reports. Mm -hmm. And so, um, he won't let me get my hot little hands on it to try and break that system and understand it better. But um, it's, you know, it's how he builds his report. And so it's a live system and it's interactive. So if you mess up something, you have to know how you messed it up. Whereas with the system that I use for scheduling, it's a little easier. Um, I can reach out to the IT team who was probably completely tired of hearing from me in the first few months and just be like, um, I think I broke something. Can you help me? Where, what article can I read to fix this? <laughs> or um, just help in general. <laughs> it was fun. I mean, some of it was frustrating, but for the most part, it was really fun to learn because it was something completely different than what I was used to. Yeah, it's, um, I, I started going through and um, redoing my website as well. And there's a lot of people that are fine with just handing it over and saying, here's my stuff, build it for me. That's not my style. My yeah, style my is I really need to know like, and it, it sometimes it, it takes going through like building a website to understand, okay, what message am I really trying to send to the public? Like right. what is the most important thing that I'm trying to do with this? Um, just like you said, jargon and lingo is very, very important. What am I trying to communicate? Um, you know, and how do I want this to be perceived and how do I want it to be used? And sometimes you don't know that until you actually do it yourself. But right. it does take a lot of time. And I'm glad that I'm doing it like that. I'm learning about HTML codes and I'm learning about, you know, all of these things and how you have to, I mean, it's, it's, it's complicated when you start, it's very overwhelming, mm-hmm. but once you kind of learn it, it, it's kind of a cool thing that you learn, like and you it, have that knowledge. And it, and it really teaches you, you know, it was important for me to, to do this because um, of a few things. One, because I wanted to really understand our industry and seeing as how I didn't, I mean, yes, I've been around it because of friends and family, but I was now going to jump in feet first into the deep end and try to swim with the, you know, with everybody. And so I wanted to know, I wanted to do this because I wanted to know and understand what it is that he does. And then that way I can make sure that I am explaining it clearly every time. Um, Two, and more importantly to me was making sure that our brand identity was represented clearly and concisely across every page of our website. Um, I, Nathan and I, it was always very important to us that people be able to, from across the room, know when they saw one of us or saw somebody who works with us, <coughs> they were with SiteGuard. You know, um, I am one of the hashtags that you'll see a lot when I post on Facebook is hashtag the lady in blue. Um, Our company colors are blue, green, and white. And so I'm always in blue in any marketing event that I go to. And when I don't wear it. Oh my gosh, you are. I am. Yeah, (laughs) it was intentional. And so um, people are always like, if I've shown up and I'm not in blue, they're like, 
what's wrong? Are you okay? What's wrong? Like what's going on? And, and so, you know, we want to make sure that the color scheme is represented and what's important to us is represented and how we speak is how we really do speak. And so creating that, creating our website and our social media presence and everything, it was super important for me that we do that so that we knew every single time somebody clicked somewhere in our website, it was going to represent who we were. Mm -hmm. Did you have to take any type of social media class or so know how to do that? I didn't have to, but I did. I did a lot of webinars. I did, you know, I mean, I've been on Facebook for what seems like a million and two years now because, you know, I'm old. The MySpace what? I don't even know. <laughs> and so, so, I mean, I, I had an idea of how it worked, but when you're running your personal page and you're running a business page, it's very different. And so there very. are different algorithms that take place. And um, so I really had to understand that if I was going to make sure that we had the social media presence that we wanted to. And so that meant taking some webinars and really diving in and making sure I understood that you know, how many hashtags I need to use, when I need to use them, what type of hashtags I need to use, am I covering all my bases? And then to know that not just across Facebook, but across Instagram and across Twitter and across YouTube. And, you know, there's ever-changing, growing technology evolving. And, you know, even now uh, with all of the COVID-19 stuff, we're now doing um, Zoom classes or go-to meeting classes and things like that. So how how we're getting in front of people and how we're educating them is different now. And so, yeah, absolutely. I had to take classes. I had to learn not because um, I didn't know already, but because utilizing it for business is so different than when you use it on a personal level. Oh, it's totally, it's it, because you don't care when you're on a personal level, you don't care how many people have seen your posts. You're just doing it because you enjoy it or, you know, whatever. But it's like, when you're doing it for business, it's a totally different animal because just like with you know, hashtags are a whole thing. It's like, yeah. hey, if I don't need to use this hashtag, what's another one? Because the whole point of hashtags is to bring awareness to something that you're trying mm -hmm. to do. And if those are not working, then you need to figure out what is. And um, that's all something that I'm trying to learn as well. And then also to learn where are your customers actually at? Are they on Facebook? Are they on LinkedIn? Are they on Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is? Because there's a gazillion social media sites. Mm -hmm. You have to realize like, where are your customers at? Who are you trying, what are your customers ages? Who are you trying to talk to? What kind of audience are you trying to draw? And it can be, and I, we're saying all this and it can be really complicated. It gets easier as you go, but there's always going to be new things about social media that you're going to learn. Um, but um, it's, it's, once you start to really learn it, then you really kind of, it boils down to a couple of things. Number one, don't waste your time doing things that nobody cares about. <laughs> and number two, just be consistent. A lot yeah. of times, like that's my biggest struggle is being consistent with my marketing on social media sites. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I have several business industry partners that I work with that we teach classes to and you know the overall theme of it is be authentic be yourself don't be afraid um, to be human don't be afraid to make mistakes and realize that you are an evolving creation you know our business is ever evolving and changing and so, so what worked 
six months, six months ago may not be what works now, or it may be, and it may be a timeless thing. Um, but you really have to, um, you really have to stop and think when you, when you post sometimes is it, does, is this what my people want to see? Is this what they really want? Um, is this educational and what's, what's the purpose behind me posting it? You know, when we post about, I posted yesterday on our social media page, we um, had a class yesterday. And so the reason I post about those is because I want our realtors to know that it's not about just earning their business <laughs> performing inspections. It's about making sure that they really understand what's going on in the industry and that we're here to be a true business partner for them. We're here to help them grow because helping them grow helps us grow. And so I teach classes, Nathan teaches classes. We work with business partners who teach classes and um, so, I mean, it's, it, it, a lot goes into business, but like you said, the, the more you do it, the more consistent you are, um, the easier it becomes, or at least it feels like it does sometimes. <laughs> I, I agree. And it, it starts to become second nature. And, you know, there's a lot that I think that a lot of people don't realize how much mental energy you put into it in the beginning about, should I post this picture? I don't like the way I look at this picture. I don't like this video. I don't like the way that I talk in this video. You know, like, is my makeup perfect? Is blah, blah, blah. That's what you do in the beginning. And then it comes right. to, I mean, I'm wearing a sweatshirt, like a police sweatshirt right now. Like I've done enough of these Zoom interviews that I'm like, man, nobody cares what I'm wearing. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's more important that I, that I, that's not the important part. And so I think that as you kind of go on, you start to forget all those things in the beginning that kind of kept you from doing the stuff that was really going to make you successful. And then you just kind of go like, eh, okay, this is what I sound like today. It is what it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, there have been times when I record a video and I'm like, oh my gosh, I sound like I'm 12 <laughs> and my voice sounds high pitched and squeaky. And then I'm like, okay, Take a breath. Yes, you want to come across as happy and cheerful because you're sharing really cool news or really exciting news, but that doesn't mean you have to sound like you just sucked in a helium balloon. And so, you know, you maybe you redo it. And then there, then after time, you realize, you know what? Look, I'm not a Kardashian. I'm, or I'm not a, I'm not an Instagram star or YouTube star. I'm Tiffany Ross. I'm owner of Psych Art Inspection Services, and right. I'm, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a boss, I'm, I'm a daughter, I, I'm a book nerd, a craft, a craft geek, and I'm just a normal person, just like everybody else, and so it's just my job to be a normal person and to put the information out there that they want, because what's really important to them is the information that I can give them about our business and our industry. They don't care if my hair is a little frizzy or my makeup may not be perfect. And you learn that over time, like you said. Yeah, it's, it, it, you start to kind of lose a little bit of that self-conscious type of thing where it's like, you're more concerned about the content, you're less concerned about how you look when you talk about it. And right. I think that that's, that's really important. Um, and so um, how has, and I know we only have a few more minutes, but like, how has y'all's industry changed and what kind of precautions are y'all having to take in the midst of all this? So, yeah. So, you know, our industry, just like several others have been impacted by the coronavirus or COVID-19, whatever you want to um, call it. And we, um, 
normally when we do an inspection, we tell clients they're welcome to be there the whole time, come in, measure for furniture, window treatments, you know, hold paint samples up to the wall, figure out kind of what they want to do. And now um, as a safety precaution for our clients, the sellers, our inspectors, our realtors, we have started doing virtual presentations. And so that includes presentations like this, like us doing this Zoom meeting now, or doing a conference call or FaceTime with the clients and sending them the report so that we're now going over that with them in a virtual setting so that everybody stays safe. Mm -hmm. You know, it also means carrying disinfectant wipes and utilizing things like uh, N95 masks, which there's some boxes back there. Those are masks and gloves for the inspectors to wear um, when they go on presentations and inspections. And, you know, because when we go into a house, we're not just going in for the buyer to perform the inspection. We're also displacing the seller. And so we don't know what kind of life they have and we don't know what kind of family they have. Are there people in their home high risk? Or are they not? Do they have kids? Do they have elderly? We don't know that. And so it's our job and our responsibility to keep our ourselves and our staff as safe as possible, but also to keep them as safe as possible too. So gloves, masks, shoe covers, um, hand sanitizing, disinfecting stuff, making sure that um, we're taking every precaution possible. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's so weird how fast it changed like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you have to pivot on a dime in, in a situation like this. And especially when you're in the real estate business and you're in you're number one, you're around a bunch of people as you're showing houses or, mm -hmm. you know, you're doing all these presentations, you're going in and out of other people's houses where people live. Um, or you're the seller that has people coming in and out of your house that you don't know. And it's like, is, is Nathan home? Yeah. <laughs> He's Hi, just in the door. Oh, hey, Shadow. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing good. I'm zooming. Woo-woo. Zoom. Zoom crash in our party. God. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, things have definitely changed because a lot of times when Nathan goes into an inspection, the sellers could be home. Um, there could be additional contractors there, painters, flooring people, um, HVAC technicians, and any number of things. And so we've now had to just take additional precautions and make sure that he's protected as much as possible and that we're doing everything we can to protect those who are in the home and those who could potentially go in the home. Hey, Nathan, did you, cause I, I went and showed a house for the first time in a few weeks, like, I guess it was last week and it made me nervous. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I am not a germaphobe by any stretch of the imagination. I'm sitting up for our interview here. I'm putting my glove on. There we go. All right. I'm sanitary. I can talk to you now. Very good. Very good. Uh, thank you. Thank you for taking those questions. But did you? No, I, we do. We, um, you know, I'll put the gloves on and I'll put the, uh, uh, you know, the respirator mask if necessary. And I've uh, been bringing little hand sanitizers and, and I wash my hands. I mean, I, I do that anyway. Wash my hands, you know, a lot at the inspection. But now, probably 10, 12 times, like every time I pass the sink or I pass one of the restrooms, you know, and I'm inspecting it, I'm washing my hands in it too, you know, just, just to be careful and just, you know, just to be safe. We all grew up, we all grew up here. Did you, have you seen the memes that are like, I've washed my hands so much. I saw the stamp on my hand from Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I've uncovered the stamps from Cowboys. Or, um, <laughs> but I don't, it, it, 
it was hard for me to go. Like it was hard for me to go show that first house because I, you know, and it kind of makes me a little nervous that people that have been inside and haven't had to get out in the midst of all this, it's that first time that they're going to have to go back to work or go do something. It's, it's kind of a mental obstacle to overcome. Would you agree? Well, it is. And, you know, we'll go to the inspection and normally first thing I do is, you know, we meet each other in the front yard a lot of times. So I'll handshake and, and now we go and we start to handshake and then we're like, ah, oh, elbow or, or, uh, you tap know, shoes. Tap shoes or, long distance and, high five. Yeah, yeah, and I've actually done several of those. Like, and, but when, and we just call it out, like, Hey, it's, it's awkward. I know it's kind of a weird time. And, yeah. and we just try to do what we can. But it's, yeah. It, it's yeah. strange. And then you can tell that they've been cooped up in the house for a while. Um, or the apartment or, or like, or wherever they're staying because they're so hungry for that people interaction and they just, Oh yeah. And, and they kind of have a tendency to follow anyway during an inspection, which is fine, but now it's even more so, but they want to talk about anything. Like what have you been eating? What are your favorite colors? You know? And, and I'm just like, Tell me about your birth story. Where were you born? <laughs> Yeah, for real. Yeah, but we've we've kind of limited. I feel bad, but we I don't know if she told you. Yeah, we've tried to limit the amount of people going to yeah. the inspection. But even if we can limit it on our side, which stinks because we're on we're we should provide customer service for the buyers more than anybody because they're mm -hmm. our clients. But they're the ones that we're kind of negatively affecting. You know, I mean, positively by we're saving their health, but negatively because they're not getting as much of the interaction. But but then we go to the inspection. And the sellers are still there and the sellers, you know, they got mom, dad, grandma, kids, because everybody's home now. So, you know, it's like, if you didn't try to separate some kind of way, think of how many people would be in that house. Mm -hmm. so I think legally right now, you're supposed like to have 10, 10 people yeah. or something. Yeah, and it was difficult as, you know, as husband and wife who also work together and it was hard because we not only want to make sure we're taking care of our clients and our realtors, and protecting our staff, but also protecting the sellers. But we also have to protect ourselves. You know, we have, I can't bring home the cooties. Yeah. We have family here too. And you know, we have, we have a son and, um, we have family down the street and, and some of them are in high risk categories. And so we just, it was, um, it was not an easy decision as business owners or as a family to make those determinations to, um, put some healthy distance there. And so it was difficult. And so, like I said before, we're doing everything we can to make sure that they feel cared for by providing virtual presentations or, you know, if they really want to be present, just limiting the number of people that are there and just doing it in a healthy way. Yeah, um, it, it is hard. It's very, very difficult. Um, and, and, but it's, people still want to buy houses right now. Like a lot of people still want to buy houses and a lot of people still want to sell houses. And some people are saying, you know, we're going to wait till all this is over, but a lot of people don't want to wait. They're ready to take advantage of all that stuff. Well, because the interest rates are phenomenal right now. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. I, I talked to Cynthia earlier. I said, what is the refinancing rate right now? She's like 2.75%. I'm like, what? Yeah. That is, I mean, that's refinance, but even you buy it, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And, um, I just, I hope that all this starts to come to an end soon because I have, like, you were talking about how people just want to follow you around. Can you imagine, like, what the bars and restaurants are going to look like? 
<laughs> malls and yeah. Did the nail salon. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. I can't. Your video on how to take your fingernails off and do it like in a healthy way. God bless you because otherwise I would have looked like a hot mess. I had to take my fingernails off at home and I miss my nail lady so bad. I cannot wait to go see her and visit her. Well, when I started all this, Brooke had just done my hair and now you can see that it's starting to get a little dark towards the roots. And I'm like, uh, what can I do that kind of helps this a little bit? But it's, man, it's just, it's just crazy. But I know that the first people, some of the first people that we're all going to be hanging out with is each other. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, um, beer and barbecue. Oh, man. It's just going to be like a party. Like, I saw some meme. It was like, after all this is over, this is going to be the best St. Patty's de Mayo July 4th of all time. Like, all the holidays that we've missed throughout all this. Think of it's all just, the sporting events, too, you know, that have been posted. Oh, yeah. Normally, you've got, like, baseball at one part of the year and yeah. basketball at another part of the year. It's just going to be summer fall and winter you're gonna have everything oh my gosh and olympics i think they got I mean, you're too. not yeah there's gonna be so much sports on tv you're not even gonna know what to do i mean you're gonna have to record something because you're gonna not be able to watch all of it you have to have a different game on in each room Live of the house sports shows yeah it's, i think well actually they, they've i've heard a lot of people talk about uh i think they call it the v curve about whenever this thing is over, you know, normally when you go into a recession, it slowly climbs and goes back up. Well, now it, it sunk really fast, but it's going to skyrocket really fast as well. And the, uh, I totally believe that. So I think whenever we're going to, whenever we are out of this, um, I think our industry is going to just be phenomenal because everybody, we're going to get a rush of people because everybody's been sitting on it for a quarter, you know, and then they're, they're eager to spend money and they want to go out and have change in their life and and all these dreams that they've envisioned over the last couple months they're going to put it into fruition and i really really think that i mean society as a whole but i think our our business i think will probably be pretty good i don't think people are going to be prepared for how it's going to bounce back i think people are going to like i thought about this the other day i thought all these servers that have been out of work are literally probably going to make $4,000 the first week that they come back. <laughs> People are like, take my money. I'm just so happy to be out to eat. And I, I, I truly, truly mean that. I really do. Yeah. I can't wait to be able to go to a Mexican food restaurant and have chips, chips and, salsa. and salsa. Margaritas. That's I like, it's just not the same going and picking it up from somewhere and bringing it home. It's just, it isn't the camaraderie is not the same. It's just not the same experience. And so we're really looking forward to being able to go and do that with friends and family. But no, I think it's going to be crazy. I don't think people are going to be prepared. We're doing everything we can on our end from a marketing perspective and just a business perspective to be prepared for when that happens. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think it's going to be just chaos, a new kind of chaos, happy chaos, (laughs) happy chaos. And I, I'm, I'm so glad that we've had such beautiful weather, but it's almost kind of cruel because I'm like, there's an on the border right across 30 that has the best patio of all time. Like, why are we not being able to go there? It's beautiful. It's just like, we'll go down to the dog park and you'd think that we were having some kind of a party with the person on the other side. Like, how are you doing? It's so good to see you. <laughs> yeah. Everybody starts shaking hands again. Yeah. Right. Exactly. 
Well, I love you guys so much. Y'all are two of my favorite people. So I'm just so glad. I'm glad that you got to be on it for a little while, Nathan. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. So, all right, y'all have a great day. We'll talk to you later. Right. Bye, Jenna. Bye. Thank oh, wait, you. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Where can people find you? We didn't even, we didn't even answer that. Oh. Absolutely. So they can find us at sginspectionservices.com. They can find us on Facebook at SG Inspections. They can find us on Instagram at SG Inspections, YouTube, Twitter. Um, you can find Nathan and I individually on Facebook and on Instagram. You can call our office, 972-979-7346. Um, or when it all fails, uh, Google Site Guard Inspection Services. There you go. I'll make sure that I put all y'all's links on everything. So And you can share it and all that good stuff because y'all are awesome. Y'all are the best. I just love you. Thanks. Thanks. Talk soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.